Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. Honestly, it's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and talk about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference in your life. And that's what we're going to hear from Richard in a way that only he can do with words of hope, insight, and humor. You may be stuck in traffic or stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help get you on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. So let's get right into today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. All right, in spite of everything that's gone on, I still think it's important to laugh, so I'm going to attempt to get you to do that. We'll blame it on the current events if it doesn't work. A first grade teacher collected well-known proverbs. She gave each child in her class the first half of a proverb and asked them to come up with the remainder of the proverb. It's hard to believe these were actually done by first graders, and when you hear them, you'll understand why. But there are some good ones nonetheless. Their insight may surprise you. Better to be safe than punch a fifth grader. (laughs) Strike while the bug is close. It's always darkest before daylight savings time. (laughs) Never underestimate the power of termites. You can lead a horse to water, but how? That's what they said, how? Don't bite the hand that looks dirty. Now listen to this one. No news is impossible. (laughs) A miss is as good as a mister. I'm telling you, they're first graders. You can't teach an old dog new math. If you lie down with the dogs, you'll stink in the morning. Love all, trust me. The pen is mightier than the pigs. I'll give you a minute. The pen is mightier than the pigs. An idle mind is the best way to relax. Where there's smoke, there's pollution. Happy the bride who gets all the presents. A penny saved is not much. (laughs) Two's company, three's the musketeers. Don't put off till tomorrow what you can put on to go to bed. You put on to go to bed. Yeah, whatever. Laugh and the whole world laughs with you. Cry and you'll have to blow your nose. (laughs) I'm telling you, I did not write these. Children should be seen and not spanked or grounded. Maybe I should stop with that one, but there's four more. If at first you don't succeed, get new batteries. You get out of something only what you see in the picture on the box. 
When the blind leadeth the blind, get out of the way. <laughs> now the last one I'm still not sure, but I guess it could be better late than Never. pregnant. <laughs> that is actually on the list. I did not. It is on the list. I should have stopped up there with children should not be seen spanked or grounded. All right, that's where they are. Let's go to the Bible fast. All right. The title today is Why? And it's one word, but it's a big word. Usually if you ask the question why, it was not like someone had given you something really cool and like, why? I mean, you just took it and ran. You know, the whys are usually in negative categories, not positive categories. So when something terrible happens, you know, maybe there's an explanation or not, but you still usually ask why. Now, when I asked why growing up, what was the normal answer to why? Because I said so. You know, that's not a good answer when you're a kid, but when you become a parent, you realize what a great answer that really is. You know, because sometimes as a parent, if you are a parent or you've had a parent, and you probably did, not necessarily, but most people have parents. I don't want to rule out anybody who might have grown up in an orphanage or whatever, but you've been in a situation with an adult where you ask the question, why, and you really don't get an answer. And there are times as parents when a kid asks that question, why, and we go to answer the question and realize they're either too young and if you got into the details, something terrible happens to somebody or so-and-so, well, Mommy, I heard that Mr. and Ms. So-and-so are getting divorced. Why? Well, if one of the two of them ran around on the other one and their family's falling completely apart and you get into that conversation and start trying to answer that question, you know, or Mommy, so-and-so's having a baby and she's not married. Why? Or Mommy, so-and-so got pregnant. How did she get pregnant? Why is she pregnant? And depending on the age, it's a touchy question touchy answer, sometimes you just can't answer. And even if you answered the question, technically correct, you'd look into the little child's eyes and they'd be like, that still didn't answer my question. Because they don't understand the answer. They don't have a category for it. Now, whether this is going to help anybody or not, we'll see in a minute and look at some of the scriptures that apply to these things. But I think since day one, we've been asking why. And in a way, if you even go back to Adam and Eve, whether And I've looked in the scriptures, and I can't really find the word why. But the devil came along, not Adam and Eve, but the devil came along with them. God had said, here's the deal. Perfect planet, perfect place, perfect garden, perfect relationship. You got it. It's perfect. And he tells them what they can do, and one or two things. Don't do this. You'll be fine. Stay with me. And the devil comes along and starts asking, well, now let's think about this. I mean, why not? I mean, God, you know, has God said this, but he's really trying to withhold something good from you. You know, why would you not want to eat that fruit? Why would you not want to know these things? And you'll be like God. And he starts working his thing. From the very beginning, we've had these thoughts. And when you start asking why, and you don't just go with what you're told, at least between you and God, you start getting in trouble. Now, there are times when you ask why, and there's silence. And even if God were to spell it out, until you get to heaven, until you see God and know God and understand Him completely, where in 1 Corinthians 13 it says, Now we know in part, 
but then we will know as even also we are known. The second you get to heaven, you're going to know answers to these whys in the same way you have been known all along by God. You're going to know in the same way you have been known. So there's going to be a lot of answers to a lot of questions. But until then, like you expect your children to look you in the eyes when they say why, and you say, because I said so, or, you know, sweetie, one day I'll explain that to you, or it's just a tough thing. You've got to trust that your heavenly father knows what he's doing and that the answer would not make sense from our perspective. I think that there are things when we start, when, and you've heard me maybe say this before, when you start with man and try to make your way to God, you never make it. When you start with God and make your way to man, you always make it. And man, religion, people, philosophers, we try to rationalize our way and get to God. You have to start with him and come this way. You cannot start here and go that way. And God knows that. That's why he came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. He knew we'd never get there. You can't build a tower high enough. There's not a ladder big enough to reach God. He had to come to us, and he did. But until we have answers to these questions, you just have got to trust him. But sometimes you don't see it, you don't get it, you've just got to know that he sees it, and he's got it, and it's going to be okay. Now we've had some things happen, and every, you know, from time to time we laugh a little bit, I've gotten some conversations in some places, and for like a few minutes it goes away. It's almost like you go into a movie sometime, you watch the movie, and you get an escape, you know, and the movie's well done, and you get in there and you walk out and go, wow, that was a good break, it was a great movie, it was entertaining, some distraction from reality. It's like this doesn't go away. And this is not like a small thing that is going to go away. This one's not going away tomorrow, next week, maybe next year. And the whole terrorism thing, the problems in our planet today are not, I mean, it'd be like if the American government said, you know what, we're sick of thieves, we're getting rid of thieves. That's it. We're going to have a war on thieves. And we're going to just abolish thieves in our country. You can't get rid of thieves. There are always going to be thieves. And you can chase terrorists all you want, and the more of them you kill, they're going to rise up. And we're going to rise up. So thinking that there's going to be peace, let me tell you something. You can have peace in your heart, but there will not be peace in this planet until Jesus comes and shuts it down. So you can pray for peace, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, all these things we're told to pray for. But world peace is not going to be accomplished until God says it's finished again, and it shuts down, and you're in heaven, hell, wherever you're going to end up. And it's over. Then there'll be some peace. But until then, the only place you've got peace is in your heart. Now people say, why? Why can't there be peace? Why can't it be okay? There's one word, and we'll look at this in Scripture in a minute, and it's a word that nobody wants to talk about much anymore. And we want to get close and go down, but we don't go to the root of it. It's like chasing Saddam Hussein, all that war, and I'm not digging up the past, but we didn't finish that job, and everybody knows that. But don't go with unfinished business spiritually. Because what's going on in our country is great. We've got a lot of people asking why, asking where's God, and looking for Him. But if you don't deal with the core issues of it, if we just feel bad as a nation, we ask some questions and hurt and send money and do all these things, but we never go all the way in and attack the real problem, nothing will change. And the real problem lies in the heart of man and woman. And the real problem is a three-letter word, S-I-N. And if there's no sin, there's no terrorism, there's no death, there's no thieves, there's no anything bad. Sin puts something in motion that is just out there. And God, you say, well, why doesn't God stop sin? He made stopping sin possible when His Son Jesus lived, died, was buried, and raised from the dead. But not everybody responds to that answer. 
And so if your heart doesn't change, your life doesn't change, your behavior doesn't change, you know, people say, well, where was God when all these things happened? And I said, the same place he was when you were cheating on your wife, cheating on your taxes. See, the same God that allowed those guys to plow some planes into some buildings is allowing you to do what you do every day, what I do every day. He's not stopping you, is he? God won't make you do something, but he may make you wish you hadn't. See, I can't follow my little girls around all day long and make them do the right thing. But I tell them don't do something, and then I find out they did it. There are certain things I can do that create memory banks. <laughs> and somehow the pleasure ain't worth, you know, ain't worth the pain. And next time they go to do it, they say, ooh, that didn't work out so good last time. I think we'll pass. So what we're doing as a government now, hopefully wisely, is to some disciplinary action that will say to anybody else who'd like to go try this, probably didn't work out very good for you or anybody you're associated with, maybe we won't do that again. Now you're not going to abolish it, kids are going to keep disobeying. You know how I know that? Because we've got a room full of adults that are disobeying, that were kids and haven't quit. You say, well, I don't have any parents anymore. If you've got God, you've got a father, and if you don't have him as your father, you're really in trouble. That's something that needs to change. All right, let me read you some whys in the Scripture. It's funny in Psalms, there's lots of whys. There's one over in Job as well. And I don't mean to go that far, but what happened to Job's pretty serious stuff for one individual. And we have some people who've had some tragic losses that really it is okay to ask why. And if you read Job long enough, certainly Job trusted God, lost everything. I mean, except his wife, and there were moments when he wished probably that had... I mean, she kind of... She was kind of poking at him a little bit, too, you know, just humanly speaking. He probably had some moments with her. But at one point he says, you know, why was I even born? I'd have been better off if I'd never been born. Because you start looking at life saying, why do I have to go through this? What's this about? And see, some of you now are thinking, I don't have the right to ask why, because in comparison to what other people in the country are going through, don't throw your stuff off like it's nothing there. Deal with your stuff. Ask the questions. Work through the situation as you go. But Job is one of the great examples in the book. The trusted God, but still in the midst of that, he asks why. In Psalm 2, verse 1, it says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. And it's a capital A and it ain't America. His anointed referring to Messiah saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you perish in the way when His wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are those who put their trust in Him. And if you go over to the New Testament in Acts chapter 4, 
the apostles had been arrested, threatened to not use the name of Jesus anymore, and they came out rejoicing that they had even been persecuted. And they quoted this passage. They raised their voices to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now the reason I'm reading you this passage is this. This stuff does not just happen. It's not like God's up there watching cable and the World Trade Center gets bombed. What was that? You're not going to startle God by anything you think or say. He's not surprised or, oh my gosh, I let something slip by me. He is in control. He is watching. He knows. He is calm. He sees it from the beginning to the end. He is the beginning and he is the end. You're not going to rattle this God. He knows who he is, what's going on. He is completely in control. And they're quoting this psalm in the context of Jesus and listen to it again. They were gathered together, all these people, to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Nobody killed Jesus. They think they did. He gave his life. They didn't take his life. He gave his life. You're not going to string the God of the universe up on a cross and think you did it. God let him do it, but it was his decision for it to be done. Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. That The threats, and this is what's so amazing to me, I don't think terrorists who don't understand Christianity at least don't get it. And maybe this applies to Islam and other things as well. You poke us, we don't scatter, we gather. We don't retreat. We come at you. And I'm not talking in a physical military sense. I'm talking about spiritually. There is something that's brought Christians together like hadn't been in this country in decades. There is a boldness. There is a willingness to share and talk about things. And I'm not saying go whap people over the head of your Bible at work, you know, go down through the cubicles. <laughs> but you're going to have opportunities to talk to people who have real questions. Let them ask the questions. And the best answer to a question you don't have the answer to is, I don't know. Don't tell them what you don't know because you don't know it. Tell them what you do know. I don't know the answer to that question, but I can tell you what he did for me. He died on the cross for me, and he was buried and raised from the dead. And the only hope I got, the only answer I got is one word, it's Jesus. And if you'd like to know how to get some answers like I got them, I'll try to tell you or we can get back up. But he's the only person that I have any safety, any security, any promise, any life, anything through. And that's what they're going to see and listen to. In Psalm 10, let me read you one or two more and then we'll go. Psalm 10, another question. Verse 1, why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Like, where are you, God? Get over here. Don't stand over there. Get over here. Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is none of his thoughts. His ways are always prospering. Your judgments are far above, out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he sneers at them. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved. I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is trouble and iniquity. Listen to this. He sits in the lurking places of the villages. 
In the secret places he murders the innocent. His eyes are secretly fixed on the helpless. He lies in wait secretly as a lion in his den. He lies in wait to catch the poor. He catches the poor when he draws them into his net. So he crouches, he lies low, that the helpless may fall by his strength. He has said in his heart, God has forgotten. He hides his face. He'll never see. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the humble. Why do the wicked renounce God? He has said in his heart, you will not require an account. But you have seen, for you observe trouble and grief to repay it by your hand. The helpless commits himself to you. I don't want to go too far on this, but we are helpless in a lot of ways. Our problem in America is that we don't know we're helpless. Without Jesus, we are helpless. We are hopeless. People say, well, you use you know, this Jesus as a crutch. And I tell people, no, I use it as a stretcher. Because <laughs> without him, I got nothing. I am nothing. You say, well, shouldn't you have some self-confidence? Well, I got confidence. It's just not in self. And if I have self-confidence, because I have confidence in him, and he has given me that. Because of who he is. The helpless commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Seek out his wickedness until you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations have perished out of his land. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear. To do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed. That the man of the earth may oppress no more. Now, before you go reading all these scriptures and saying, that's right, God, do it to the Muslims, you better check your own heart. Because all of us fall in this category, potentially. So before you go praying that on the wicked, remember you might be one of the wicked that gets whopped. And I'll encourage you for the sake of time, go home and read Psalm 22, the first part. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groanings? And Jesus quoted that on the cross. Jesus asked why. I think he knew why, but even in his humanity, my God, my God, all the sin, all the terrorist acts, all the evil got dumped at ground zero at the cross on one man, Jesus, one God-man. And he absorbed the blow, the blast of all of our sin on himself. And this Jesus, the Son of God, who had never not beheld the face of his Father, his Father turned his face on him for the Bin Ladens, and for the yous and me's of the world, so that whosoever will may come. And he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And I encourage you to have a talk with Jesus and say, Father, I'm as guilty as anybody else. I'm capable of anything. In my heart, I know it because I know what I think and I say and I do. So, Father, forgive me. Thank you for dying for me, Jesus, for being buried, raised from the dead by the Father. And I'm asking for this gift that you've paid for to come live in and through me and change me from the inside out. Go to the core of my problem, my heart, and deal with my sin. And then use me, Father, to be light, salt, hope to those around me. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. 
Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. All right, let's pray. And our Father, thank you so much for this time together. For these people, Lord, we pray for ourselves. We pray for our city, our country, our planet. Because, Father, the events have rocked the entire planet. But, Father, I thank you that they've not rocked your throne and that you're still in control and that our problem is not against terrorists. It's not flesh and blood. It's principalities and powers. And the devil has raised his head and he's trying to destroy lives here and use us to destroy lives there, Lord. It's just when the rockets start firing, a lot of people get hit. So, Father, give our leadership wisdom and give us wisdom, Lord, from the inside out individually to deal with our sin and to see you for who you are and to see ourselves for who we are and to realize that we too are undone, as Isaiah said, and let you cleanse our hearts and lives, Lord. Let you examine us, search us, and try us, and then yield our will to your will, Lord, and let you lead us and live in and through us as you intended. Father, for those of us who know you, use us to lead others to you. And for those who don't know you, may they pray a simple prayer and let the God of the universe come live in them and through them and receive eternal life, the forgiveness of sins, and the promise of an abundant life between here and heaven. We love you, we thank you, we praise you, and we pray it all in Jesus' name that makes it possible. Amen. This has been Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. There's only one reason we do this program, to take the planet with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's our message and our mission. And you have a vital part of doing that along with us. If you've been encouraged by these talks with Richard, be sure to share with someone about the change they've made in your life. And we'd love to hear your story as to how the talks have made a difference to you. Give us a call. We'd love to talk with you. 855-6-RICHARD. You can also reach us through our website, richardellistalks.com. And while you're there, check out all the fun and informative pages we put together for you, richardellistalks.com. While you're there, be sure to click on the Contribute tab at the top to send your generous gift. If the program is making a difference to you, your gift will make a big difference to us. Until next time, thanks so much for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.